Welcome to the NPS MedicineWise podcast, helping health professionals stay up to date with the latest news and evidence about medicines and medical tests. Yeah, hi, I'm Steve Morris, CEO of NPS MedicineWise, and welcome to another podcast in our series related to COVID-19 issues. Today, I'm really pleased to say I'm joined by Adjunct Professor John Skerritt, the Deputy Secretary of Health Products Regulation Group, which includes the TGA. Welcome, John. Hi, oh, good day, Steve. I'm glad you can make this podcast, John. Um, so, look, most of our listeners will know um, that the TGA is responsible for regulating therapeutic goods, including medicines, medical devices, blood and blood products, ultimately uh, you know, to support better health and well-being of Australians. And look, the pandemic has had significant impacts across the health environment over the last three or four months. So I'm really interested to know from you, John, what the TGA has done to support um, both clinicians and consumers in terms of medicines management. Well, quite a number of things over the uh, period of the pandemic. So uh, I guess starting at the uh, beginning with clinical trials, uh, while it's largely a notification scheme in Australia, there's been two fundamental shifts. We've had a lot of much earlier engagement with industry and researchers on trial design and manufacturing requirements for clinical trials. And that's quite interesting because generally, as only 2% of a world market, we tend to have left it mainly to our American and European cousins to work with companies, say, on powering of trial designs for vaccines and uh, trial designs for therapeutics. But with a number of local companies and researchers interested in this area, including some quite big partners, of course, uh, we've been engaged at a much earlier stage on on those things. The other thing that we've done with clinical trials is uh, realising that there'll be variations due to COVID-19, in particular relating to the supply of the so-called investigational medicinal product, the the medicine used for the trial, and also uh, the need to manage patients remotely rather than in literally as hands-on a way as you traditionally did in clinical trials. These deviations to the original protocol can just be notified to us at the moment. And similarly, we uh, realise that trial start and finish dates will change and participants and so forth. So we've actually uh, been very flexible because, of course, especially for COVID, but also to keep the momentum of clinical trials going in Australia, especially if we are coming out of this pandemic earlier than other countries, it was important to have the utmost flexibility. The other thing that we've done is a range of emergency exemptions that have facilitated access to repurposed therapies, and that's everything from remdesivir to through to HIV drugs, through to hydroxychloroquine, which is still undergoing trials, uh, notwithstanding uh, a range of views about its efficacy. One of the biggest things that we've also done uh, to support consumers in particular has very close management of medicine shortages. So there's been one to two to three meetings a week at various times of different working parties. I chair a national working party, but has everyone from healthcare professionals to the supply chain to industry and procurement people, states and territories involved. And we've done everything from modelling demand of critical medicines to facilitating sourcing and shipping, identifying local supply, looking at dispensing and pricing controls where uh, we've been, not pricing, I should say prescribing controls, where we've been worried about, uh, especially early in the pandemic, uh, panic buying and, and stockpiling of certain things like like uh, and puffers. Okay, thank you, John. Um, so, so that's a lot of areas that you've, you've just provided an overview on, John. Of all those things, what's been the most difficult challenge that the TGA's faced? Well, there's three or four 
most difficult challenges uh, rather than choosing any any particular one. The obvious one was juggling the additional work. So especially during March into April, we had lots of teams of people working seven days a week and uh, burnout was a real challenge there. Uh, you know, when someone will phone you at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night without even apologising for the day or the time to discuss something urgently, you know that you really are starting to run around the clock business. But that was important to get all sorts of things on the market, uh, not just medicines, but uh, PPE, uh, diagnostic tests and so forth. And we were juggling that with business as usual. We've also been working with a large number of new players who either didn't understand or value regulation. Again, not so much in the prescription medicines area, but in areas uh, such as personal protective equipment, uh, hand sanitizers, disinfectants, uh, over-counter therapies and so forth. Uh, these were often companies who had never had any involvement even in medicines before or in devices. And so we spent a lot of time hand-holding them and, and advising them on what they could and couldn't do. That was also a challenge to our funding model because we're funded on a full fee and charges basis uh, from a regulated industry. And so I had staff, uh, in fact, at one stage I had up to 200 staff and I would have said that much of their work was uh, 200 staff working on COVID. And much of their work, uh, I doubt, is adequately or appropriately cost recovered. So I think there will be a concern to uh, impacts on our budget. And the final area that still is a major yeah. problem is compliance, both in terms of advertising products inappropriately or just straight out uh, deceptively, and also compliance with people importing products, not putting them on the register, uh, using products uh, for unapproved uses and so forth. So we have almost a 1,000 compliance cases all up between advertising and other forms of compliance. Thank you, John. In terms of um, obviously conveying really important messages to consumers, what's been the hardest part of that in terms of um, you know, getting messages out to, to consumers in Australia? Well, again, those messages, I think, have had to evolve as the pandemic has evolved. So early on in March into April, it was what I call the toilet paper thing. Don't go and panic by pharmaceuticals and stockpile. If you fill multiple repeats the prescription at once, you may make it harder for someone else in the same area to be able to access that medicine. There were local stockouts. So you might have the northern coast of New South Wales where there were shortages of a particular medicine, although it was available nationally, but with local flights and other transport affected, that did make it hard. So the don't panic buy and don't stockpile messages were really important uh, to convey to consumers early on. The other message related to that is that uh, we did struggle also with communication between pharmacists and consumers. And again, it could be said who got the message, but uh, a medicine might be out of stock at your local pharmacy, but they are available and they have been available all along if the pharmacist phones a sponsor or the wholesaler. But those messages have evolved because the actual local stockout situation, notwithstanding with still a limited number of domestic and international flights, uh, has calmed down and demand has gone back to normal levels. Now it's a broader message uh, because people looking at the news, uh, there's always the spirit that, oh, well, the research is done today and the product will be available tomorrow. And so there's a real need to communicate to consumers to be realistic about the timeframes for developing vaccines and even therapies. But uh, one 
small observational study on a particular therapy doesn't equal the fact that it will be you know, of definite clinical value and that uh, even rapidly recruited clinical trials take several months and even longer to report out for a medicine and that uh, we shouldn't be expecting uh, vaccines this side of Christmas. So the need to be realistic. And finally, the other message for consumers is regulatory oversight can be blamed for delaying things. Uh, in a way, it's a, it's a false blame. We've had teams approving products in two or three days that normally they would have taken two or three months. But with a big team working around the clock, that's what we've been able to do. And the final message is don't believe everything you see or hear. As I said, there's uh, been almost a 1,000 compliance cases so far. We've issued 80 fines and we'll be in court several times uh, with major court action against certain companies. And uh, people like to hang on to hope. But if you go onto the internet, there's a lot of supposed cures for coronavirus that frankly are not cures. Yeah, that's certainly a significant problem that's emerged from the lay media, I think, John, and everything we can do to try and you know, address that and create some expectation with consumers is uh, what we should be doing. Obviously, you've talked about a number of challenges, um, John, that's been faced, but also there's obviously been obviously some change in processes and some innovation in this current period. Is there anything from your perspective which you think should be continued beyond the pandemic period? Well, I think uh, the message of never wasting a, a crisis or a good crisis is, is an important one. Firstly, on medicine shortages, we brought many more players together and we did things and are doing things such as modelling and predicting supply and demand in a more structured sense. And given that medicine shortages post-COVID are here to stay, they're a challenge in every economy globally and for a range of reasons that challenge is increasing, some of the ways that we've been managing medicine shortages during COVID, I think, could and should be continued. I've mentioned also that uh, we haven't traditionally engaged early with the developers of therapies and vaccines in the process, but it's been valuable in terms of understanding where the technology is up to. It's been hopefully valuable to the researchers and companies developing those medicines and vaccines. And so... I think that uh, the greater engagement with developers of therapies and vaccines, which industry and healthcare professionals and researchers have wanted all along, is something we'll have to continue to do and we should continue to do. With our business processes have become faster, more nimble and pragmatic. Clearly, we have to look at safety and adequate consideration all along, but that strengthened internal collaboration. It's broken down a number of silos that can form in any organisation of uh, 700 people. And finally, the thing that I'm hoping will continue, and this is through the International Coalition of Medicines Regulators, Australia is a vice chair at the moment, is stronger international collaboration. And we're getting regular updates on clinical trials and observational studies of products. We're working together on aligned master clinical trial protocols. We're sharing information on, on vaccine pipelines as well, regulatory guidelines, and also information on regulatory flexibilities that each other has implemented. And so that stronger international collaboration, I'm hoping, should also continue post-COVID. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds good, John. Um, just finally, John, just to, um, if you want to provide um, information to listeners about where they find further information around what the TGA has been doing in the COVID-19 period, where would they go? There are COVID web pages on the TGA website. So if you go to www tj.gov.au, uh, you can also you can find uh, 
our COVID hub, which uh, has information on medicines. It's got information on hand sanitizers. It's got information, and the information, for example, on hand sanitizers has been useful for small businesses that have wanted to develop hand sanitizers during this phase. And it's got information on uh, uh, disinfectants and all the sorts of products uh, that uh, are seen as therapeutic goods in Australia. So I'd go, you'll see it if you go to the TGA website, so www.tga.gov.au. Thanks, John. Thanks for taking part in the podcast today. Thanks, Dave. And uh, as our listeners know, um, if you want further information about NPS MedicineWise and what we're doing in COVID-19, uh, then go to our website, nps.org.au, and any suggestions or questions, um, please submit them via Twitter or LinkedIn. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. For more information about the safe and wise use of medicines, visit the NPS MedicineWise website at nps.org.au.